Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I'm so glad to have you here. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about something that I'm doing later this month, you know, in January. So I'm hosting a meetup for the podcast, the Forward Thinking Founders Meetup. I'm inviting every guest I've ever had on. I'm inviting any angel investor who's an angel investor in the podcast. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We're having it at a great location in San Francisco in late January, and I would love for you to come. Right now, there's two ways for you to come, really. Um, you can buy a ticket on Eventbrite for 50 bucks, um, or you can do what I want you to do in the first place and become an angel investor in the podcast. If you become an angel investor in the podcast, you get to come to this meetup. Uh, you know, complimentary to what you pay, which is $10 a month or $100 a year, on top of all the other benefits you get for being a, uh, an angel investor. Uh, if you go on my Twitter, which is Matt underscore Sherman, you'll see that I am playing some like interesting games. If you want to come for free, you have to find someone with a promo code. So if you're interested in doing something like that, head over to Twitter at Matt with one T underscore Sherman. But if you just want to go, you don't want to play games, you just want to meet amazing guests that I've had on the podcast, just become an angel investor. You can do this at glow.fm slash F20R. What you get is obviously access into the meetup, you get premium content, you get an online community, and you get my highest graces and my thank yous because I really appreciate the supporters. So, you know, that's all I have right now. We're going to get into the podcast, but if you want to come to the meetup, then become an angel investor or pay 50 bucks. Up to you. With that, let's get into today's episode. Run it! All right, how is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very, very excited to to be talking to Andrew Peak, who is a creator of Delphia. Andrew, welcome to the show. How's it going? Pretty well, thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. This is one of the most fascinating startups you know i've seen recently um so i'm really excited to just dive in and learn more about it and with that let's just kind of start there what is delphia what are you working on yeah so delphia is the first time that people are able to invest their money uh, but also their data into the same investment advisor so uh how that works together is that we use the data, whatever data you feel like investing, it's entirely your choice. It could be social media, it could be transactional data, but all of it is used for the sole purpose of improving your investment returns. So let's go kind of go down to the level if I was a user. So I'm just gonna talk very like naively because I feel like I don't even know that much about it yet already. So when you say data, what type of data am I able to control? And I guess, can you explain how, how I'm able to make money off of my data and what data that specifically is? Sure thing. So data in this context could, so we have a mobile application that'll be released to the public very soon. And data in this context means, uh, you know, we ask you questions about yourself and the world going on around you, current events and whatnot. And you could think of data as answers to those questions. Um, but also we give you reasons along the way to connect various uh, accounts that you have. So that could be like your Twitter account or your Facebook account. 
your location data, your credit card data. Um, all of this data is helpful in, for predicting the stock market effectively. Uh, by studying this data and the spending patterns or the foot traffic patterns or the public opinion of people, not just you, but everybody who's contributing data, Delphi is able to create an investment advantage that we can invest your money into. And so really, um, if you have money invested with Delphia, the idea is that it'll grow at a faster rate. But then I think what people find very interesting is the kicker. The kicker is Delphia, like other investment advisors, uh, takes a, a percentage, a small fee to manage your money. Uh, in this case, 2%. But what we do that's different than every other investment advisor is we take one of those 2% and we redistribute it back to everybody who's contributed data. And so depending on how much data you've contributed, uh, you can actually turn your data contributions into additional investment dollars. And that's really a, a unique feature. Okay, so let, let's keep going down the rabbit hole and diving in. So let's say I'm a user of, of Delphia. And sorry, mm -hmm. is it Delphia or Delphia? I wanna make sure I'm pronouncing it right. I think you can go either way. Either way, cool. So I'm a user, and let's say I answer, I, I, I give you some answers to questions, but I also link up, you know, my, my let's say, Twitter and my YouTube, hypothetically. Um, yep. So you are then taking that data and, and combining it with all the other data that you're getting from other users to make informed decisions, and your users, sorry, informed decisions about investing, and those, because you have that data, you're better suited to make better investment decisions than like some of your competitors, and that's one of the like one of the few or one of the many use cases or benefits of going with Delphia. Yeah, that's right. Said a different way, <clears throat> what we're doing is we're studying all the incoming data to to look for trends that are taking shape in the population, right? So how well are those new you know Nike shoes going to do, or what were what was the uh, in, like, what was the impact of the Tesla Cybertruck launch, et cetera, et cetera. We're, we're essentially trying to get ahead of trends. Um, and this practice of looking at consumer data to try and ascertain trends, we didn't invent it. It actually is being done uh, by Wall Street hedge funds today. Most people don't know this, but the biggest hedge funds in the world are buying our data and using it to make more money for the world's wealthiest. Um, we obviously don't have access to hedge funds, but we have the same ingredients that could create that same advantage, which is our data. And so Delphia allows anybody to take advantage of their data in that way, i.e. to create an investment advantage. And as you mentioned, uh, those who are contributing uh, also receive sort of an added benefit of earning additional investment capital with us. So... I'd love to hear a little bit about how you came to this idea in your background. The reason I ask is just because I kind of get the sense that you have to go down a little bit of an idea maze to come upon this because it seems very like deep and you need to know, have a few key insights to know that this has to exist. So I'd love to hear how'd you get the idea and how, how'd you kind of get started with this? So it was actually, uh, I stumbled into two incredibly smart individuals who were operating in entirely different environments. So the first was my partner, Clifton Vanderlinden, who's our chief scientist. Cliff um, had a PhD working group that came out of the University of Toronto. And that working group 
was very good at combining survey data, i.e. questions that you ask an individual like yourself, with behavioral data, i.e. your Twitter stream, or your Facebook stream. And they were able to uh, get survey data in this research lab because they built a, a survey that helped, helped you calculate your alignment to the different political candidates running in an election. That was what the lab did. And once they had this really good understanding of you and could show you how well you were aligned to the different political candidates, uh, people were often sharing their results on Facebook and Twitter. They were saying, oh, check out my, like, check out my alignment to Trudeau or to whomever. And what that created is an ability to join the profile of the person with the behavior that they exhibit in the world. And in so doing, the research lab turned out to be very effective at forecasting the results of an election. So it's really this combining of who the person is and their characteristics with the behavior they exhibit in the world. Uh, that is a very powerful combination. And then the second person I met uh, I, I can't, unfortunately, I can't name them. Uh, <laughs> they don't work at Delphia. But uh, they were working with consumer data of the nature I just described, so behavior and profile data. <clears throat> and they were applying it to predict company fundamentals. And so a company fundamental would be like a, like a, like a sales estimate or a sales uh, result or uh, a company's churn, for example. And they were showing that if you could predict these fundamentals, that was actually where you'd stand to earn the most money. And so really I was looking at the two ways they were going about their business, these two individuals, and it, it sort of came to me that the, the methodology of the research lab could be used in the arena of financial markets. Okay, this is so, so intriguing. Uh, you're, it's almost like you're looking at one thing that's very unrelated to what you're working on now, but you had the insight to then draw parallels, which is I mm -hmm. feel makes uh, founders so, you know, good and, and powerful when they can see those, uh, those things. So that, that's awesome. A couple more questions specifically about the product. Um, mm -hmm. Are you, are, are you looking for a certain type of user uh, in that? I, I see on your, uh, um, on your website, it says apply today. Who is the ideal person that may, has an account on, on Delphia and is giving you data? That's a great question. So like any other product, we are trying to find the people who are the most passionate about creating an investment advantage with their data. And so, you know, there are definitely people in the world who, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll contribute their data if they think the price is right. So they might say, oh, you know, I'll give it to you, but I'm expecting hundreds of dollars back in year one. That's not the group we're, we're going to go after right now. We want the people who really understand what we're doing who say, yeah, it's interesting to me that you can give me some money, uh, some additional investment dollars, but what I really care about is this incredible investment advantage that we are going to build together. And so I'm willing to put forward a lot of my data because I want that advantage. And really that's who we're prioritizing for now. And are you, this might be a question you're not able to answer just because you're an earlier stage company, but like, I'm curious, can you just give me a, an idea of where you're at today, whether it's like amount of people that are on it or like any 
point where I can imagine like how like how this is coming so far. I'm kind of intrigued. Yeah, for sure. It's actually readily available on our site right now. So if you were to go to Delphia.com, you can see that there are uh, 12,715 people at this count at this moment uh, who've applied to Delphia. Some of those have uh, been brought into a pilot program, um, but that gives you an indication of the number, the number of people so far who've expressed interest. We, uh, we just launched about four weeks ago. So this is a... Uh, and, and really, frankly, haven't done very much marketing. So this is a uh, an early number uh, and an early indication. So I want to, at another point in this podcast, go into the launch because um, I, I think I've recently been more interested in just the idea of the launch. Um, and I've ha- talked about it a good amount on the podcast with other founders. But I want to save that for a little bit from now and just keep kind of diving in on the product. So... Um, can you, so I'm going to give you kind of like a use case that I'm thinking that I would like, like that it would be cool if, if this is Delphia or Delphia could, could do this and kind of point me in the right direction if it does or not. Something mm-hmm. that I'm really interested in, and obviously there's a whole market of people that are interested in is finding startups before they are going to be big, you know, like small, high potential startups for me specifically interviewing them. And then hopefully one day they're billion dollar companies. Um, is is one of the use cases for your platform finding the signal of what's about to break out? And if it's not startups, what would you say are the first core pieces of information that you're predicting first? Or is that also not the way, right way to think about it? Can you really educate me a little bit about that? Yeah, you're thinking about it the right way. Um, so what you're talking about, we're both talking about predicting companies and predicting their success more specifically and or their failure. Um, what Delphi is prioritizing right now are public companies. So these are the Nikes, the Lululemons of the world, Apple, Facebook, Google, Netflix, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's about 500 companies that are sort of very tied to consumer demand and consumer behavior. Um, but then what you're identifying is that there's a whole class of private companies. Uh, the most, you know, we, we call them startups. Um, but private companies range from as big as Airbnb all the way down to as small as Delphia. And certainly, uh, like the same way that we are studying trends taking shape in the population, we, we would certainly be able to pick up um, signals, if you will, around uh, Delphia's trend line or Airbnb's trend line. We probably just won't, we'll, we'll, realistically though, we will work our way from the biggest companies down to the smallest because as you might imagine, uh, the biggest companies, there's generally the, the greatest amount of signal. There's the greatest number of people who are interacting with those companies or expressing opinions about those companies. And the smaller you get, uh, the, the less data there is to work with. So you really need to have a huge number of users at that point. Got it, that makes sense. Um, so I, I have a couple of questions about kind of the macro thought on just data. Um, that I'm sure you you probably think a good amount about, or at least have when you were starting this company. So you you look at companies like Facebook and Google, and you know, as you mentioned, Wall like Wall Street investment banks that are using data and are making so much money off of us, um, and like we're not really able like to do anything about it. You know, like we don't get a cut of that or anything. How would you say, let's say, ten years down the line, when Delphia Delphia works? Um, how do you kind of like fit in the data 
big company realm are you kind of on their side are you kind of like fighting against them are you like somewhere else uh, you know can you where do you fit in the conversation yeah so actually i would say we're, we're trying to build the antidote to the problem right the, the problem is that you and i are generating you and i and everybody else for that matter we are generating the world's most powerful asset and we are receiving absolutely zero of the economic benefit that comes out of it and so that that's a that, you know that's a that's a terrible exchange you know they'll the folks who are in power will say well you know you get this free service and i would argue that those free services uh a the value exchange just isn't that compelling in the first place b those free services are actually just consistently being optimized to get us to devote more of our attention to them and purchase more things. And there's a whole bunch of second order effects that I think are actually quite perverse. Um, so what Delphi is saying is, listen, there is a way for the average person to use their data in a safe manner. And not only that, but we can, we can build a, a business model that there doesn't need to be any other corporate interests. Like the individual contributing the data can be the customer. Uh, so if you invest data with us and, and start to build our investment advantage along with everybody else who's doing the same thing, you can, you can put your money into Delphia and let us grow it faster. That is, uh, you know, ultimately, like, people like you are our customers. They're, we're not selling any insights about you to brands or to uh, hedge funds or anything like that. And so you know that we've got this full alignment with you. Uh, essentially, we've built our business around serving you uh, and using your data to your own advantage. Um, so yeah, I, I would say like we're, we're very much, we've designed the whole system to preserve that alignment through time. Um, and the more, maybe the, the other interesting piece about it is the beauty of sort of doing this in the context of predicting the stock market is that Delphia makes money regardless of whether you choose Coke or Pepsi, right? The goal is just to predict correctly that we think you're going to buy Coke next year or Pepsi next year. Uh, and if we're right, we make money. Whereas in advertising, when you use people's data, the goal is different. The goal is actually to get them to buy Coke or Pepsi, which is where the perverse incentives kick in. So when you contribute your data into a model that only succeeds when its algorithm gets you to do the action that it wants, then that algorithm is going to get better and better and better at influencing you until you do that action. And that's actually a very, uh, that's a, that's a very perverse set of incentives that have led to things like, you know, certain leaders getting elected, et cetera. Well, it's interesting because for the longest time, ever since really Facebook came out, we gladly gave up data because we were getting so much value back, um, you know. But I feel like we've gotten to this point where the the data that Facebook and you know some of these companies are collecting on me, like I'm not getting it back anymore. I'm not on Facebook anymore, but they're still using my data. And I just think your timing is impeccable. And I want to actually dive a little into into the timing. And if you're open to it, like how you talk about this with investors a little bit in regards to like why. Like, why did you decide to do this right now and not, you know, like, not a couple of years ago or not two years from now when the problem's even worse? Like, is there a reason why you started this company right now or an event that happened? Well, 
I mean, a lot of it was serendipity. So when I, when I found this research lab and began thinking about what they could do, um, you know, the business model came to me around the same time that the Cambridge Analytica story broke. And what's interesting about that is the Cambridge Analytica story did one good thing for the world, which is it educated a lot of people at once about the power of their data and the misuse of their data. And so now when you talked to people about their data, it wasn't sort of like a, a it was still maybe a fuzzy concept, but it wasn't a, a complete out of left field concept. Um, and so, you know, Delphia's timing, I think is, is quite serendipitous because, you know, that, that did a lot of education that we don't have to now do, which is to tell you your data is powerful. Everyone sort of assumes that now. Um, what the world doesn't know is how to take advantage of that power. And so that's, that's really like what the gap that we're trying to fill. Um, and so, yeah, there's just a little bit of luck and timing involved, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, and then w one more question along the same lens. Um, this seems like one of the ideas or now, I mean, now it's a company, but at the time when it was more of an idea, it seems like it's a moonshot. It's like, if this works, it could be huge, but like, you know, how likely is it to work? Obviously, you've proven so much, but it's going to work now. But in the early days, how did you convince people, specifically investors, to part with their money to, to take part in a very big and somewhat crazy sounding vision, but one that's now starting to work? Yeah, so to be clear, I think it's, I think it's still the first pitch of the first inning. I actually think there's a, a long way to go, but the beauty of it is it's not you know, despite the complexity of the concept, achieving this mission or this vision isn't actually hard. It just requires one thing, which is everybody to work together. If everybody were to pool their data into the same place, we would create the most powerful data asset that would be free and clear of corporate interests. And uh, other than Delphius, so you would have to believe that Delphia has your best interest at heart. Um, and we're, you know, we go to great lengths to sort of unpack how we do everything so that you can build that trust over time. Um, but you're right. Uh, you know, if this, uh, if this works, it, it changes everything. It, um, it really shifts the balance of power in this whole exchange around our data. Did, did the, I guess I'm, I mean, if you're not open to going into it, that's like totally fine, but I guess I'm, I'm curious to know, uh, did how like did people think you were, you know, insane when you pitched them this? Did they all kind of get it, or was it polarizing? I just am I'm interested to hear the reaction with such like a forward thinking idea from people that invested in you. I know you've raised some money, so I'm just kind of like interested. Like, was it easy, hard in the middle? Yeah, I mean, raising money in general from venture capitalists is just a very tiring exercise. You're the whole process is designed to give you 99 no's for every yes. Uh, Delphia was no exception. So here's the sort of interesting twist. When, when we were, uh, the day before we were about to present at Y Combinator demo day, so we went through Y Combinator in 2018, and the day before our presentation uh, is when the Cambridge Analytica story broke. And some people saw that as like an opportunity, some investors, and some were like, we can't touch you with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> and so it was, it's very polarizing. Um, but the investors who backed us, you know, I guess you could say they've got a, a contrarian point of view, which is, 
you know, it's, it is very difficult to put the, um, what's the expression, the jack back in the box or something like that. <laughs> it's, uh, what I mean by that is I'm not sure we're ever going to be able to go back to a place of total privacy. And so instead, I think what people are seeking and, and the investors who believed in us, what they, what they, the conviction they had is that what people want is a better deal. People know their data has value. They want to be able to trust it to an organization or a, a, any kind of group. They want to be able to trust it to someone and know that they're getting a fair deal for the value that data is creating. And so that is, uh, that's really how we pitched it. We said, you know, people have accepted their data has value and they, it, it, we, we think that there is just too much work involved in sort of not leaving a trail of data around. Um, but we do believe that uh, people deserve and want uh, a different sort of, uh, a different deal, a different value exchange. And so that's what Delphi is going to bring. Got it. Um, yeah, I, I've been learning recently, actually, a ton about venture capital. I like find myself, like now that I'm almost 100 episodes into this podcast, if I ever come across money, I, I find myself in like an interesting position to like potentially be an investor one day. So I'm trying to like learn about it. And I feel like this is the type of company that's like perfect for VC because it's such a moonshot. But it's but if it's where if it works, it, it's gonna be a multi-billion-dollar out. You know, it's just like if it works, it works, and that's just really exciting. Um, and I'm also I'm I'm happy that you started it. Um, okay, I have a now a couple of questions, not specifically about Delphia, but or the, the product, but actually how you're getting distribution specifically right now about your launch. Um, as I mentioned, I've been interested in how startups launch. I'm putting more value on launching than I put, you know, a year ago for various reasons. I'm curious, how did you think about your launch? How did you prepare for it? And how did it go? Yeah, I'm not sure we did, you know, I'm not sure it was like a, a launch for the record books. I think, you know, we had a desire to just, we had been in, in research and development for almost two years. And there's a lot there's a lot of horsepower under the hood at Delphia. We're a 35 person team. And if you've taken a look at our data science team, it's, I mean, it's pretty, pretty stellar group. Um, so really for us, it was just about getting it out there. You know, we had sort of been behind the scenes for so long, building all the necessary pipes, if you will. And we just wanted to get it out there. Uh, and so really we just, you know, we had a, a handful of articles written about us by different publications that were, very nice and generous with their time and, and really did great coverage. But we, you know, I would say in many ways, we weren't totally ready either. You know, we our referral uh, mechanics were a little bit wonky at first and we've been catching up ever since. Uh, we hadn't necessarily figured out our marketing channels beyond uh, PR, which is again, sort of a one-time thing that you get to do. And so that's actually the focus of our current quarter is to, to really catch up in, in terms of the marketing department. Uh, we're a very tiny marketing team. Really, there's like two, two to three people on that team. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we have theories and hypotheses around what the right channels for us are. Um, and so we'll just continue to test those and discover along the way. But uh, we feel there's a lot of resonance amongst the average person when you tell them about what we're doing. So that's the, that's, that's the thing we hold on to. Yeah, you're right. I would say I'm like average person category and I hear, I just hear 
what you're doing. And it just makes so much sense. Like let the public get a piece of their own, of their data, a little bit of the upside they're creating, right? It's like, now that you, the way you explain it, it's so screwed up that we don't get to capture any of the value we create. You know, that's, that's so wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, that's it. So it's like, you know, it, it taps into a simple, powerful emotion that we're all feeling. And we expect people to not take it at face value. We expect people to double click on every part of our business in terms of who's behind it. What are the promises? What are the terms of service? How are they sharing the economics? All of these things, like what are they doing? And, and, and we, we like that challenge. That Again, we, we, we fully acknowledge that trust is earned over time. So there's almost no way that you'll, you'll see Delphia and immediately trust us in full, but that for us is an opportunity. That's an opportunity to engage you over the long haul and really give you reasons to believe that this world, this other world can exist. So you might be one of the, you know, in my view, one of the foremost experts to answer this question. Um, maybe, I mean, I guess you're very focused on Delphia, so maybe you're not thinking so much about the other big companies in the space. But if you're able to, can you like predict the future of what is going to happen to Google and Facebook, at least their core models today? Are they, are the core models going to go away? Are they just going to be there? And as you said, Delphia is just going to help make it a better shake for the public. Like tell the future for us if you can guess. Yeah. I mean, I can just point to some trends that are exhibited today that I think are interesting. So the first trend is it's now a regulatory conversation. Privacy is now a regulatory conversation. Um, and so I think, I don't think that's going to slow down. I don't think it's sort of a one-time blip and then we'll all go back to business as usual. I think that, I think that pressure is going to increase through time. Um, so that'll have some impact on the business models of these companies, whether it's hedge funds buying data or the way Google and Facebook use it. That's part one. You know, part two is people are growing a little weary of social media. Uh, it, it, because I, I believe at least of these perverse incentives. So the whole thing is wired to, to really suck us in and, and, and play to our insecurities so that we will continue to buy additional things or, you know, soak up these like uh, kind of maybe messages that, that really aren't, aren't in our best interest and whatnot. And so people are retreating now to uh, other channels, things like Telegram, Signal, et cetera, WhatsApp. And so we're still going to create data, but we're going to be creating it in these private environments. And I think, uh, I think that's a different opportunity, right? There's still, the data we're creating will still be tremendously valuable, um, but we'll have a little bit more discretion around who we give access to um, because they are in these sort of more encrypted private environments. So I think, I think the future is bright, but then again, I'm, 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 I've always been an optimist my whole life. Uh, I think it'll just require a tremendous amount of patience. I don't think we're anywhere near the, the moment where we sort of get to turn the corner on this. I think all we've really done is woken up a little bit in the past year or two. And we're, you know, we're probably going to be fighting uphill for the, the next 10 years. Um, but do I think the right voices are coming out of the woodwork? And do I think that we will end up in a very, a much better place 10 years from now? I really, I truly do. I like that perspective. Um, it, le it leads me to another question, which is a little out of left field, but you know, 
it's on a lot of people's minds. You, you, the more data you collect, not, not you, Delphia, but just in general, the more data that is collected, the closer we're going to get to an AGI and artificial general intelligence that can use that data to, to do things. You know, a lot of things that maybe we can't do. Do you, do you spend any time outside of developing your own product? Do you spend time thinking about the macro, uh, the macro effects of what's going to happen when we have enough data and the sophisticated technologies to actually like create AGI and, and live in that world? Is that something you worry about or think about a lot? I don't worry about it, but I do think about it. So, Delphia is fully aware that if, if you do trust us with your data through time, we will have the opportunity to uh, use that data to your benefit in a variety of different ways. Investing is but one. And our sort of, our preconditions for anything we build in the future are that you have to give A, fully informed consent. Um, and, and to us, what that means is that we can represent to you the final application of your data. So if we say to you, hey, we want to build a Siri-like assistant for you from your data, um, and here are the attributes that we want to use to do that. And the Siri-like assistant that we're talking about, that's the, whole, that's the full product. There's no third parties on the other end who are getting the benefit of some analytics out of whatever you talk to this thing about, right? We have to be able to represent to you the full thing so that you can give informed consent. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, we think about it. We, I, I think, truthfully, I'm a little, the one thing I am worried about right now is we're developing artificial intelligence at arm's length from human beings. So what I mean by that is we're training these machine learning models off of human behavior, but human beings aren't, we're not active participants in, in the training, right? It's just that these, these algorithms are training themselves by watching us and the, we're seeing the dangers of that because that means that they're sort of reinforcing certain biases and all kinds of stuff. And I actually envision a world where we are more active participants. So what I mean by that is we're actually volunteering the right kind of data to train an AI. And the reason we feel safe to do so is because we've met all the, the preconditions required to get to that point, i.e. the data is encrypted. It's in a secure training environment. It's got an immutable ledger, it's it, whatever, the, whatever the list is, uh, for us to volunteer data to create augmented intelligence or artificial intelligence, you know, there's a, there's a high bar. We're gonna need to, to do a number of things uh, in the world. And so, yeah, I, I think about it, um, and we hope to be, you know, we hope to be a part of that, that solution. Um, and I, I think it's probably, you know, it's a good 20-year mission for the company. Do you look at companies like OpenAI and um, Google's uh, DeepMind as competitors, or is it a total different category or somewhere in the middle? Yeah, no, I don't look at them as competitors. Um, I don't feel like Delphia is in a race to AI right now, race to, like a race to build the best AI. I, I think that would be a little bit too much to bite off for a startup. Uh, startups die from indigestion, not from starvation. So I think about these things and I, you know, I, I see the, the advances being made by a deep mind or an open AI, and, uh, but I, I don't sort of preoccupy and wonder um, where will our paths cross with these kinds of teams. Um, 
mostly I just know that human beings by, by design, we just, we just strive to make progress and we strive to achieve. And so I expect us to continue to do so in the field of AI. Um, and I also know the power of human beings self-declaring data into the model. Uh, there's a, there's a, a huge lift you're going to get from an active participation on the part of the human being. And, um, but the precondition again is that you have to have that trust. So for the last, I would say like segment of the podcast, I don't really have segments, but like kind of like shifting to the last like three or four questions, I want to go back to the products because I still, I still don't feel like, um, if I, you know, I, I actually, I, I just, uh, I just, you know, applied and whenever I get accepted, whenever that is cool, but like, I don't know what it will look like or feel like in five years. Um, once you have my data and how I'm making money, can you just kind of describe um, in five years or in 10 years or as long as you want, let's say I'm a very active user giving you as much data as I can. What is, you know, what is it going to look like for me? Will I have a portfolio? Will it just be like, would it be hooked into my banking account? Can you describe like the UX like late down the line once money's generating? For sure. So it'll be a conversation flow. Right, like a sort of a, a continuous conversation that you can pick up at any point you want. Um, and so really our mobile app will have a very chat-like UI experience uh, at launch. And then if you wanted to sort of double click and see what that data is generating for you, absolutely. There's a portfolio that will show you the equities that we are holding on your behalf and the trading decisions that we've made. Um, could there be more assets you know, underneath the surface there than just a portfolio one day? Absolutely. Uh, in the next five years, I think you, you'll probably just see us stick to the investment paradigm. So really it'll be a conversation on the surface where we ask you about yourself and the world around you as news events break. Uh, and anytime you wanna go check on your holdings, you'll be a click away or a tap away. And I probably should have asked these in the further in the beginning, but what can you do? So it, I, when I was applying, it was asking, you know, what types of data are you, are you open to giving? Is it one of these things where if, you've, if there's opportunity to, to give 15 different sources of data and I opt in to give 15 um, versus let's say there's 15 I could give and I give five, will I be, will compound more for the people that are giving more data? to, the, um, to, to the, the, the software or the algorithm? Yeah, it does, and you're, you're rewarded for that extra contribution. So think of it like, um, just like any loyalty program, right? So there's this notion of tiers, and if you are one of the best data contributors, you will be in the top tier. That makes, that, that's very cool. Well, I know you have a giant wait list, but I feel like I am very active in the interweb, <laughs> so maybe I can be a good contributor. <laughs> Um, cool. I'm sure I can put you in there. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, it's funny because, like, I, I, although I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I feel like most people, like, like, I feel like you have to be, you know, in one of the hubs, like, in Canada or San Francisco or New York to, like, know what's going on. I feel like I have, like, a pretty good pulse uh, on what's going on, almost as a third party I'm not in any of it, so I can just observe it on the internet. Um, so, I don't know. It's kind of, like, an interesting position to be in, just, like, not being in a big hub, but being able to observe them from afar. Yep, absolutely. I uh, totally appreciate that. And actually, uh, 
I'm, I'm not the one managing the wait list. So you'll have to forgive me, by the way, if, it, if we haven't gotten to you yet. Oh, it's all good. No, 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 that was not. Yeah, whenever it happens, it happens. I just, I, it makes me excited as you're talking about it. Cause I, I do think it's just an interesting thing. I uh, like to be a part of it, which is cool. So I've nice. just a, a couple more for you. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. This is fascinating stuff. Like this is really like, like I feel like the show should be named after this episode, forward thinking <laughs> founders. Like that's you. So this, this is awesome. What would you say? Uh, although you have painted the, the future in some ways, um, if you have to think really big and go out as far as you, as you can, um, if this works and it works big um, in 20 years, what does it look like and and what does the world look like if it does work you know dream big for a second well i think we all see the power of ai coming around the corner and what i think this looks like if it works is we're using it i, I want to coin a different definition i want to say that ai becomes an augmented intelligence on top of human beings as opposed to some artificial simulation of a human being and really, that, that is what Delphi is aspiring to. Um, we see the power of human potential, and we see the power of the data created by those same human beings, and we want the individual to be able to realize that power. Uh, and if that should take the shape of sort of an augmented intelligence that we can summon in a given moment in a safe way, um, that opens up tremendous opportunity for all kinds of creativity and all kinds of opportunity in our lives. It's going to be an exciting future, and I, I, I am looking forward to to watching it happen and hopefully contributing at some point. So, um, but obviously, to make that happen, uh, you're you're going to need a uh, you're going to need a decent amount of, of help, you know, from employees, from investors, from from all sorts of people. But also, you got people that are listening to this podcast, you know, a good amount of people that are probably enthralled with what you're working on, and they want to help too. So, my last question for you. Uh, for uh, to, to kind of wrap it up is how can the forward thinking founders community help you? Do you have an ask where at least one person listening might be able to assist with hit us with anything? Yeah. I mean, Delphia is in search of anyone who's deeply passionate about creating this, uh, this investment advantage together, which means uh, we're, we're all going to pool our data in here and we're going to try to create a, a, an asset that is ours as a community. And so if you're out there and uh, this sounds like something you'd like to be on the ground floor of, you know, I would encourage you to read our, our data values uh, and I would encourage you to, to sign up and sort of fill out an application. And I promise we are getting to them as quickly as, as possible, but we're very excited to have that pioneering group uh, really help us pilot this thing out of the gate. And so if that's you, then I'm excited to, to meet you. And just one final question, if people want to do that, where can they find you online? Where can they get in touch with you or find the company? Where, where are the links that they can head to? For sure. So Delphia is just www.delphia.com. And you can find us on Twitter at Delphia. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. No doubt you'll find us. And then my name again is, is Andrew Peak. And all of my social handles are uh, D-R-U-P-E-E-K. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for this extremely fascinating conversation on what you're working on. Really excited for the future. And, you know, keep it up. You're, you're, you're doing some amazing work. 
Appreciate you saying that, Matt. Thank you. It was great to meet you. Good meeting you too. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And if you did enjoy it, and you have enjoyed previous episodes, and you by chance would want to meet a good amount of the guests I've had on the podcast, then you should come to the Forward Thinking Founders Meetup. If you listen to the beginning of this episode, you know how to attend, how to get information. But if you forgot, all you have to do is become an angel investor in the podcast for $10 a month or for $100 a year. You get access to all our in-person events and online communities and premium content. It's a hell of a deal. And let me be honest, it really supports me as a creator. So if you're interested in meeting some of the guests and me, your host, at this meetup in San Francisco late January, go to glow.fm slash F20R. And let's make it happen. Hope you have a great rest of your day and I will see you tomorrow. Peace.